This is Meet the Movie Press. It's December the 13th, 2019, the penultimate show of the year. We got SAGs, we got Globes, we got the Critics' Choice, Nominations Galore, Ghostbusters Afterlife, Netflix and Shill, and the In the Heights trailer plus R.I.P. Danny Aiello, and the box office and the week's big releases. Did you? Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now. Here's Popcorn Talks, Meet the Movie Press. This is Meet the Movie Press. It is December the 13th, 2019, for the week before the week before the holidays. It is a very, very busy week. We have a lot to talk about. So let's have a catch-up straight away. First of all, Dimitri, who are you? Where can we find you? Please welcome back to the show. Hey, it's great to be back. Uh, You can find me here at uh, Meet the Movie Press and other Popcorn Talk Network shows. Uh, Happy holidays, everybody. And Scott Menzel. Happy holidays, everyone. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the other Scott M. Okay, we've got a lot to get through. And I'm just dying to ask, hey, kid, what's with the life preserver? (laughs) Okay, fine. I look like I'm fucking cosplaying Marty McFly, who made some bad life choices. I've done it twice this week, uh, but thank you for bringing that up. Hey, you're welcome. Uh, Okay, cool, let's get through these. Uh, First of all, let's talk about all these nominations. Scott, I want you to take the lead on this. SAG, Golden Globe, and Critics' Choice, uh, the group that we are both members of. Yes. um, All announced nominations this week. A lot of people got their pants in a twist. Yes. Uh, over various things. Uh, run through what the headlines are on each, please. Okay, so the the big deal, of course, at the Golden Globes uh, was the lack of female writers mm. as well as female filmmakers. Yeah. Um, it. We know this has been a big conversation within the industry for the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, man, people were pissed when this came out on Monday. Uh, many people, including Olivia Wilde and Alma Harrell, uh, took to Twitter to voice their concerns, and they were slowly backed by uh, Lulu uh, Wong and a few other people. Uh, the Golden Globe people responded <laughs> yep. with a very uh, interesting response. It was uh, an interesting response. We vote for movies. That's pretty much what they said. Yeah. We vote for movies. And do, do you know what? That's actually, I won't name the person, but there's yeah. someone that I spoke to who uh, works for one of the trades, and they said that they don't vote for the the gender of the director. Right. They vote <laughs> for the movies. Yep. And this is someone who I would expect a very informed and balanced opinion from, and it's a thing that I agree with. And while I do think there were a lot of good movies this year directed with by women, as there are many years, I, I think when you boil it down to, and we've said this before on the show, by gender, it, it's very dangerous then because it becomes tokenism. Yes. And I think that is a path that we do not want to do because that is a false positive. So while it is very controversial and we've had some exceptionally good movies made by women this year, as we do, like I say, in many years, this year, perhaps the opinion of these people across a number of groups, they just weren't the ones directed by women. Yeah. And I think a lot lot of that kind of... I think there's been a lot of controversy around that this year, more than the years in the past, Mm -hmm. mainly because you have three movies right now that have been such a big push Mm -hmm. for award season. Um, You know, Booksmart, of course, Honey Boy, which, you know, has been doing so well in limited release. Uh, They wound up expanding into almost like 500 theaters. It's been doing really well. Farewell over the summer did gangbuster numbers for A24, big talk out of Sundance, and of course, not opened yet, but Little Women. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, and and to me, Little Women was the the safe, easy choice. Uh, And I was (laughs) actually very surprised to see with all those A-listers in there that they snubbed Greta completely. I was very surprised by that. But let's also not forget that we have have had in a number of these bodies an increasing number of uh, representative uh, people included within these cliques. So while we are cliques, groups, guilds, whichever way you want to call them. um, So let's not forget there are women in these guilds who have also not voted for women. But the Golden Globes are a little bit different. Let's just say they're different. Yes, so so. What will be more interesting to me is the Academy. Mm. The Golden Globes, though, they, they, they're a different... They, they, aren't, they aren't a guild. Mm. They aren't, it's the HFPA. Uh, they, they're a small amount of people compared to the guilds mm. and to the Academy. And uh, they have a history of, uh, 
of, 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 for lack of better words, corruption throughout the years. You can buy awards. Uh, they have a history of just not being on the up and up with how things get nominated and being someone who's been in the distribution side and that Almahara was was like just extraordinarily vocal. It was actually a breath of fresh air to read what she was saying because mm. everything she was saying is true. And yeah, I'm not so, I'm not saying what she's saying isn't you know, true. So but you can easily buy a nomination and award with the Golden Globes given mm. Given the studio, but in studios and publicists, fear them. Fear them. Mm. Uh, they are the most important screenings to book for any 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 studio. And uh, I and I can confirm this only by uh, I'm I'm friends with I do a lot of junkets and obviously uh, I go back and forth between television and one on ones. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I always talk to because I like to talk to the people who I see on a regular basis yep. and ask them how they're doing. And one of the things that I hear on repeat almost every single year is. Uh, the members of the Golden Globes are the biggest pains in the asses to deal with. They hate dealing with them, and they treat them like shit. When have you ever heard of publicists being afraid of anybody? Yeah. Publicists. Mm. They, are, they are truly afraid of the Golden Globes. Yeah, I'm, but I mean, there's, 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 there's a lot of guilds that have a lot. And I'm not defending the Golden Globes. No. There's a lot of guilds that have a lot of power. There's another one that obviously came as a, quite a controversial thing this week, the HFPA. Um, you know, and it, it's a case of... Um, but you create monsters to a certain extent. You, the, the industry and the industry perpetuates these to continue to exist. Mm -hmm. And while you keep feeding the monster, the monster's going to get more and more hungry and the monster's going to grow. Yeah, There's a lot of things that need to change in the industry right now. I mean, Honey, yeah. Boy's, Honey Boy is a great example of, of films that I think got overlooked. Now, Honey Boy is a movie that I did not like. But... I absolutely admire the film that was made. I can see exactly why a lot of people like it. It just didn't work for me. But all of that had nothing to do with the gender of the director. I just and I, I, I never watch any movie from the point of view of it being directed or written by a man or a woman. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at the final product. Sure. So, I, I mean, while I absolutely understand, I think there's absolutely 100% credibility to what's being said and the fury and the reaction and the anger that's coming through... You know, I just don't. It's 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 one issue in a pile of issues that currently beset the industry, and we'll get to another a bit later mm -hmm, in the show. Mm -hmm. So, with the other awards, let's move on to some of those because with three this week, it was kind of yeah, you know a hell yeah. of a week for nominations. It really was. Um, and I mean, I think it was interesting to point out that between Golden Globes and SAG, yeah. one of the movies that I think shocked a lot of people getting love still mm. is Rocket Man. Yeah. So I really Which I'm very happy to see to be too. honest mm -hmm. with you. A lot of people slept on that movie. And I think uh Paramount's very uh, excited about that because they they weren't sure. Mm. Um but that's that's pretty crazy. Uh you know, and SAG obviously loved Bombshell. <laughs> yeah. They loved love loved Bombshell. Um you know, I, I thought the SAG nominations, there, there was this new category that they put in with the stunt. And yes. that was the most mind-boggling of any category I've seen this year. Like, they have Joker in there as a stunt. And it's like, it's like the dancing on the, dancing stairs, on the stairs, coming down the stairs. I mean, like, what is... What's getting hit with the sign? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, that, that for me, I'm like, I'm really glad that category is in there, and I'm like, but those are the nominees. Yeah, it was like the nominees are. Yeah, like Irishmen. Oh, he kicked the guy on the ground. Kick a ball at that guy. Oh, he did a good job. Ninja Pesci. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I did. Yeah. yeah, but there were several things there where I was like, you, you know, you got it so almost right, and then yeah. Totally fucked it up. Yeah. And yeah. the one thing that's that's very consistent through all three, uh, before we get into the Critics' Choice, is um, Netflix. <laughs> Netflix <laughs> is literally dominating. Uh, dominating this award season. 61 nominations over at Critics' Choice. And I believe it when Golden Globes, it was about 44. Mm -hmm. uh, don't don't quote me on that. It's somewhere in the it, 40s. And not women, not one woman <laughs> for the Golden Globes. I, no. I, that, that, that's the other thing. And if someone tackle. really wants to bring this up, no female filmmakers in Netflix at all. 
Yep. Because we have not said that, and I think we should just no, start I, talking I about that right now. I literally had that conversation with somebody the other day. Yeah. You know? There is none. I mean, yes, there's the uh, Ava DuVarnay uh, show that also got snubbed, mm-hmm. but <laughs> but uh, that's about it in terms of any of these films that they've yeah. been pushing. And we, as- heard, and we heard a lot about Netflix this week, too, because yeah. they started releasing... And I think we're going to talk about it later. Potentially, so we, we, yeah. You okay. mentioned it now in case we don't but, get to you it. You know, it was The Irishman and how many views it got. Uh, see, this is what I love about Netflix. And that, there were two figures. There are. Yeah, because yeah. Uh, Nielsen is saying it was 17 million viewers and right. Netflix is saying it was higher than that. Right. And and what they what they try to hide under, but, but, it, but it's been out in the news, is that of the 17 million, let's go off of Nielsen because they are a reputable <laughs> sure. tracking source, yeah. right? So we'll go off the Nielsen number... Only 18% of that 17 million actually watched the movie all the way through. So, which is really interesting to me. But what's even further interesting to me is that we don't know how much it made at the box office. Why? Because Netflix won't report those numbers. And yet they're winning all these awards, yet they shit all over our distribution process of getting movies into theaters Mm. and how they're distributed. They don't care about the movies. They care about their viewers. That's what bothers me even more so with the Golden Globes and not even having a Honey Boy, which was released theatrically the right way, and it's being ignored. Book smart as well. And again, I agree with you about Little Women. That's the safest bet. <laughs> like, Greta Gerwig wasn't like, really? Mm. Like, so, but Netflix gets 40, and it <laughs> shits all over the way movies are distributed theatrically. Uh, it makes no sense to me. I but mean, they can spend a lot of money. There's been a lot of conversation about the Netflix thing, and I, I mean, uh, I've I've sort of just accepted that Netflix <laughs> is here to stay, and I think yep. you're gonna your little argument that you have, you're gonna be moving that on to Disney soon, and then you're gonna be moving that to Amazon and everyone else. Because if I, you think so, I, 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 think think so. The, I think it's the I think it's I think it's the way. I of don't the future. believe we'll ever see a Marvel movie. Avengers Not a Marvel movie. movie. You don't need oh, to we, say that, but you're yeah, gonna but, see a bunch of really good movies. That are going to go directly to streaming. Hundred percent. I guarantee. I can see it. it on Disney Plus because they haven't had any good of their original. Togo yet. was actually really good and deserved okay. to be in a movie. Theater. But I'll be honest but with that, you, I don't think Disney Plus anticipated Disney Plus being quite so popular or successful outside of the Disney bubble. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So right. I think they just weren't ready to have good shit to come straight. Out with. <laughs> yeah, that's why they have the. Ma- I think that's they, why basically they, the yeah. long and the short of it is they thought it was going to be hardcore Disney fans, uh-huh. who, some of whom will just watch anything if it has a mouse attached to it. Uh, yeah, and I thought it was like, hey, it's mostly for kids, eh. and then you got adults watching. It's like, fuck, all we had was Mandalorian. Uh, and Lady what and do we Trent. do now, Lady? Uh, well, I mean, not even Lady in <laughs> the Tramp. It's movie. like a Noel. I mean, Noel. fuck. I feel genuinely embarrassing for that. Yeah, uh, me too. But anyway, uh, uh, talking of viewers, um, and obviously in relationship to, to Netflix and, and awards season, uh, viewers of this show, obviously live, really important to us. Thank you so much for that, Sky Patterson. In this morning, uh, Luke Skywanker. Uh, is in the chat this morning. <laughs> Zeno Hour. Uh, Zeno Hour, good to see you popping up on Collider as well this week when uh, when I was on there. You were on there as well this week. Yes. Right? Yeah. And uh, uh, the other Scott M, who's right here. Uh, Kame Egan in the chat as well this morning. BlackRock316. Jenna James in the chat as well. Uh, thank you to each and every one of you for being part of the show because, uh, you know, that's really what it's all about. Uh, what people are saying in the chat as well. Uh, thanks, Sky. I love the Life Preserver jacket. Look, it's cool. It's fun. It's 80s. <laughs> I, I, I don't know why. But I, I just, I don't know. Uh, pitch from Xenia Hour. Simon Thompson as Marty McFly with other Scott uh, as Doc. Uh, Dimitri as Bob. Hello, McFly. Jason Statham as George. Uh, I actually had a very, very, I had a very nice chat with uh, with uh, George? George McFly this week. Uh, yeah, which was quite weird. Um, yeah, uh, just ge- generally weird. Um, uh, Sky Patterson or female filmmakers. I'm a little upset that some female filmmakers are getting shut out of the awards season. So many have done incredible work. I guess you have to be Tarantino, Zemeckis, Scorsese, Spielberg. I mean, Zemeckis got shut out last year but that's wow. because this film was terrible <laughs> yeah. um so i mean I, I i i genuinely i i mean even though i'm you know woke i do have a problem with this whole thing about and it does happen that that men get to fail upwards and women are held more accountable when they don't have successes we do see that i'm not going to deny that at all and that is not okay Mm-mm. um however i mean people are not being shut out because they're women 
specifically specifically right. specifically mm-hmm. so i just think we have to be very very careful with this argument and it, you know at the end of the day not everybody can win a prize we don't want to go down the road of tokenism and an optic because that that, that is worse than not being included at all in my opinion it's a consolation agree. prize I, yeah i i don't dis- i don't disagree and there with have that. been a lot of great movies made by women but i do think that we should look at movies as movies right and there have been i think this year like more than a handful of amount of really good movies mm. that we're still talking about yeah. today, like book smart. Like, so I'm not talking about that middle of the road or that, Hey, that I had a really good time Harriet. watching that Harriet's like, a good uh, example of that, yeah. right? Like Harriet's a, a, a movie that was directed by a female that the movie itself is not strong, but the performance is strong. Yeah, and so I well, understand why there's so, not that much conversation around. Yeah, that. but I mean the thing is, there are lots of movies made by men with exactly the same situation. The problem is not not including enough women; it's not giving enough women enough movies to make. Well, there's that too. Yeah, there's that, you but know, there's another get, problem. Okay, and I the, mean there are many. There, problems. There's many I mean, problems. The list of problems there, the is mi- a long the, one. Okay, so this is going to be the truth bomb of today. So <laughs> the reality of this is, is that when you're in a guild yes. or you're a part of the Academy, you're part of the Golden Globes, you're part of the Critics' Choice. No one is looking after people to tell them, hey, did you see Waves? Mm-hmm. Hey, did you see Honey Boy? Hey, did yep. you see Little Women? Hey, did you see Booksmart? So you're voting on, it's like throwing shit on the wall and hoping something sticks because you really don't know yep. what people have seen. Mm-hmm. There's people right. who, have, who go out of their way. There's I, I know this as someone who runs a critics organization. There's a big group of people who will go out and they will want to make sure they see every single thing. And even up to the day when the ballot's done or has to be submitted, they go out and they try to squeeze in two or three things. Mm -hmm. Then you have the other people who are like, eh, I don't think I'm going to like Joker, so I'm not going to go see it. I don't think I'm going to like Waves, so I'm not going to go see it. So they don't even bother to watch it, and maybe they'll be surprised and like it, but they're just like, they don't want to see it. And then you have just the other people who honestly say, well, I'll see stuff. If I get paid to see it, which is also a problem. Yep. So you have three different types of people going into this. You have the people who are 100% serious and, and committed, whether they get paid or not, and they want to make sure they see everything. Mm-hmm. You have the people who are only seeing stuff that they're getting paid to see, yep. uh, basically if they're doing an interview or a review. And then you have the people who are just kind of like, I want to be a critic, but I don't want to watch everything. I kind of want to watch the movie I want to watch. Yeah. And... I'm trying in our organization, the Hollywood Critics Association, to monitor that. Mm-hmm. And, and do you know what? There are the, the, the first two. I think you're absolutely right, but I think there are certain problems within the first one because yeah. it, people don't have time, and the people that tend to do watching everything aren't making any money as a career. Right. They aren't. It's simply not sustainable with the current model of the oh, industry. Yes. Well, simply not sustainable. That's another one of the issues. So that's another one of the issues. I mean, yeah. if I can add it to the list. <laughs> but um, but when you're talking about um, people voting, no, you're absolutely right. But I know people in other uh, sort of, let's say, bigger, and I mean this in no disrespect to the HCA, um, who, who don't watch all the movies because they don't want to watch them. I have sat down and I've watched a number of oh, screeners. Yeah, yeah. For movies I have no interest in. Yes. But... If they're in for consideration, if they're up for consideration, I watch them because that is what I'm. If I didn't catch them through the year, and they're going to be in awards season, I will make the effort. I will take the time and I will watch them. Documentaries, uh, movies, foreign language stuff that I might not want to watch, just because that's part of the job. And you're absolutely right. I think all organisations should have a checklist, and you have to literally sign the register, and you have to say, "I have seen this. I have seen this. I have seen this." And if you haven't, it's pretty simple. Then too. it's pretty simple. You don't get to vote. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you haven't seen Some Elise... people just want the freebies. Some people just want the glory. Some people just want the fucking screeners. Some of them just want the, the, the boasting. Yeah. yeah. I, I think if you're, if you're someone who hasn't seen... I mean, when push comes to shove, at yeah. the end of the year, when it comes to about the middle of October, now thanks to Toronto, Venice, and Telluride, yep. you know almost the majority of movies that are going to be in awards mm-hmm. consideration. Yeah. And... 
by then you should be able to make a list of about 60 to 70 films. Yep. And that's really all. I mean, there's a lot of don't don't get me wrong, there's a lot of smaller films that always are going to get overlooked and there's not unfortunately there's nothing you can do about that. And that's going to get worse in the days yes. of more and more content than ever. Yes. So that is not going to So improve. that's going to be very so the people like the Bleecker Streets and the IFC films like everyone was talking like I I noticed like on on our re, um nominations people like, "Oh, the Nightingale got snubbed." And I completely agree. I put Nightingale in multiple categories mm-hmm. but then i realized like nightingale going up against like something like the irishman like not a chance in hell no. like like the reality of it is is that they don't even have enough money to actually send a screener that actually has artwork on it mm-hmm. you literally get a disc which says the name of the movie on it yeah so that goes in a pile and that gets buried all the way on the bottom kudos to them for trying to send it out early but, mm-hmm. like, early, and then it gets buried as Netflix and everyone else piles on. But it wasn't right. like with a note and of an explanation of what it was. No, no. And and I think, no. you know, but what I was going to, get, going to say is is that you have, like, the round, the 60 to 70 movies, okay? Yep. And then if you're someone who actually cares, if you're an organization that cares, you should be sending that out to your members. And you should say, all right, ladies and gentlemen, which movies have you seen on this list? Mm-hmm. Which ones do you plan on seeing? Which ones do you don't mm-hmm. plan on seeing? And then you essentially look at what comes back and you say, okay, well, you only saw 30% or 40%. You're like, you need to get up to 50 or 60%, otherwise you can't vote. Yep. And I think that's really it because you have to – and you have to also look – there's this big issue where I think with, with industry within the industry too is that when movies uh, – they're very easy to, to access when they're studio films. Yep. Big studio films, uh, even some of the bigger indie indie companies. But then you have all these – I'm not even going to say they're that small movies, but those middle-of-the-road mm. kind of like the A24s neons. And, and neons mm-hmm. where people don't go out of their way to see. Yeah. And I think you need to have a nice balance of everything on your – you know your checklist. I, I agree. think we need to see yeah. stuff. I agree. And, uh, and your your solution, I thought, is the simplest, most economical, and the most efficient. You sign. You, yeah, you sign. we have yeah. to do. We have I to do it, it for everything from fucking DMV appointments and right. doctors' appointments through to, you know, through to everything else. It's like you you sign a contract, you do a thing, mm-hmm. you make an agreement. You have yeah. to do that. Yeah, and um, it makes sense. And thank you. I, I appreciate that. Uh, people in the chat continuing to talk about this. Lots of opinions. Uh, Luke Skywanker saying, uh, Nolan gets shut out every year he makes a movie. Um, I don't know. Uh, and you don't hear a peep out of him about it. Uh, he's too busy making movies, uh, doesn't have time to waste on BS Awards politics. I mean, do you know what? I, it, it, it's an interesting... Uh, we need to move on because we've taken up almost half a show on this already. And we have a lot to get through. Um... Do you know what? A lot of this is, is out of the hands of, of, of the filmmakers. You make your movie, you put it out there. And there are plenty of movies that people think are perhaps going to get awards attention and they don't. And sometimes there are other movies being made by other people that just turn out to be better. A lot of people, there are a lot of movies that have come through in the last six months that people perhaps didn't think were going to be awards nominated, you know, who've turned out to be really big players. And some people who thought it were going to be big players and they just didn't factor at all. So, you know, it's, it's completely, it's fundamentally unpredictable. You get a few things that are predictable. And whether that's through legacy or because it's just a really good movie, we don't know. But I mean, over the last couple of years, we have seen a lot of filmmakers and a lot of movies that are by smaller movies, a smaller filmmakers or independent movies and Moonlight is a great example of that La La Land was not a hugely popular movie when it comes to box office but you know doing particularly well and we've seen many more examples of that as well in the last couple of Lady Bird's another really good example (laughs) getting a lot of recognition so it really is it's really pretty much there's some things that you can always count on but a lot of things are always this this black horse Um, and also elements of movies get nominated sure you know Richard Jewell I would not think that's going to get a best picture nomination we'll get to this later in the show but there are a couple of performances in there that are getting recognition or should get recognition. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, and I didn't like the movie, but there are certain movie, things in that movie that I really liked. But like I say, you know, there's there's so many issues that need to this. There is a lot of honest dialogue that needs to happen within the industry right now, because right now it's eating itself. Yeah. And it is not sustainable in its current model in so many ways and in so many areas. And it's angry. Like, this is the first year... Where I, I, it's angry, like when, and and again, I'm not I'm not knocking Alma for what she said, and 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 I I tend to agree with her, but it's the first time somebody has spoken mm-hmm. up in such a public forum, um, which is commendable, but because of this, 
uh, you know, it's getting out there in way more in, in more means than ever before. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, OK, we need to move on. We've got so much to get through on the show today. Uh, so awards cha- talk is over for now until we get to the next topic. Uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife trailer this week. We had so many trailers this <laughs> we week. We had a lot yeah, of yeah, trailers. Jesus now. Christ. I mean, yeah. I think I had more. I, I think I had <laughs> more trailers drop this week than I had free shit from movies. Um, oh, it's, it's a, oh boy seriously. for you no no seriously I, I literally, literally my apartment looks like I'm moving house at the moment I have multiples of stuff in cardboard boxes I don't know I never needed I needed so many fucking coffee table books of the Irishman <laughs> anyway uh, let's talk about Ghostbusters Afterlife trailer uh, Dimitri I'm going to go to you on this first of all uh, your thoughts on this I loved it I loved every I love the way that it was set up. I also love that it didn't... It was nostalgic, but didn't rely on it. Mm. Like, we didn't see any of the characters that we already know are booked for the film, right? Like, meaning the, the Bill Murrays, the Dan Aykroyds, right? But I love the throwbacks, and I love the generational gap. Mm. Like, what do you mean you've never heard of Ghostbusters? So I love the Paul Rudd character and the teenager, the kids. Um, it, for a teaser... I got very excited yeah. for this movie, uh, so I, I really thought it was great. I can't wait to see it on the big screen, and th- that's the reason we're getting these trailer dumps online, mm-hmm. because these big movies, like Jumanji is opening up, Star Wars is opening up, all of these big movies are opening up for the holidays, and those those are the, the, the features that the other studios are targeting to get their big guns on. But they're obviously all movies that were meant to be watched on yeah. your phone. Yes. <laughs> because of, there's not a lot of scale in these movies. No, no. So, uh, all me. don't forget, uh, wait and watch them on your phone. Uh, Scott Menzel. I think you should uh, download a pirated copy of it and then... Preferably as ropey as fuck. Right, and then watch it on your phone. Yeah. Yeah. So then you can hear the talking and then it'll be like an interactive experience too. If it's got subtitles, (laughs) even better. Or dubbed in Gujarati. Yeah, Yeah, brilliant. Um, But no, I, I completely agree. I mean, this... I don't know how you two felt about this, but I was very nervous about this Ghostbusters yeah. film because, uh, obviously, um, the one that came out a couple years ago, Luke Warman. This just, it's weird because I always feel like when they remake something, it mm. relies so heavily on nostalgia that this one didn't. Yeah, It, it was just kind of like... The first part of the trailer, it was just like setting up almost something like a Stranger Things. Right. Where you're mm-hmm. kind of like, you're watching this, you're like, oh, what is this? Is this a Stranger Things <laughs> I thought movie? I clicked the wrong button. But yeah. And then when it goes into that stuff and they do those little nods, but they not overkill. Like when you see Star Wars, just like, oh my God, stop, oh, stop. Hey, bring stop. in the cute creatures. Bring in the cute creatures. Stop bring in the guy in the Star Wars mask. already. Yeah. <laughs> Which robot can we introduce next? Yo, can we get a woman? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You got any robots, Brian? Yeah, you got any of those robots? (laughs) I did, but yeah, just the subtle hints of nostalgia mixed into the trailer, and the fact, like he said, you don't have to see any of the original characters to kind of get the vibe. And then you got the the girl who comes out, who sort of looks like Rick Moranis's character, Mm -hmm. and you're kind of like. I'm I'm on board. And she, she's a, she's a little actor that I genuinely adore. She's done so many great things right. in such a short space in her career. She's so watchable. No. I'm genuinely very excited. And her with with Finn, I think is going to work. Really, oh yeah, really I nice. think so too. And, and it's funny you mentioned Rick Moranis because he's the only one that we don't, don't know. know. Right. I would be Whether very very surprised if he makes an appearance. My everybody has their fingers crossed, but you know he's he's obviously uh, in retirement and he he moved out of the the industry for family reasons when yeah. his wife died um, to to be to be a parent, which I think is hugely admirable. Um, but it would be nice to see him in some way referenced. I think it would be good, even if he's not a main character, but in yeah. some video or something. It'd be it'd a be pleasant nice. surprise. It'd be a very nice. It'd be a nice Christmas present yeah. in the summer. Yeah. <laughs> um, hashtag War on Christmas. Ah. Okay. <laughs> Uh, let's go back to awards very quickly. Uh, actually, let's, let's talk about another. Tra- well, there's a couple of trailers I want to get through that, that dropped this week. Yeah. Uh, let, let's uh, push up the agenda of the In the Heights trailer. Um, it, it is another trailer this week that I I was a little bit nervous about because when you. Uh, a lot of musicals have been very successful on the stage, and when they make them into movies, they just don't work. Mm-hmm. Like Ghostbusters Afterlife, when I watched In the Heights. Um, 
genuinely, it, it made me feel emotion and it made hairs on the where I have hairs on the back of my neck uh, and my shoulders uh, stand up. Um, this is a movie that I was interested in. And now I think I might be in love. This looks as if it's going to be absolutely brilliant. Sorry, cats. Sorry, cats. I think you might uh, you might be usurped when it comes to awards season next year. I don't see you getting a lot this year. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I fell in love. I fell in love with this movie, and I hope it can deliver, Scott. Oh, um, I saw this on Broadway, the original production of this on Broadway. Oh, cool. And it feels like it is ripped directly from the stage. Watching that, watching that trailer, yeah. captures all the same tones. Everything. It looks like it's going to be a wonderful adaptation. And uh, my my only concern is um, because John M. Chu has not directed a like musical yeah. stage music. I'm a little nervous about that. But there's not a whole lot of sets within this that it might be okay. But one, you're absolutely right, and I entirely, I entirely get that point of view. But one thing that I am very uh, confident about is having seen what he did with Crazy Rich Asians, which was not a musical, but it was almost like a flamboyant musical yes, we used to yeah. see in the 1950s, that sort of glittery, glitzy lushness. And I think he knows how to use movement, tone, and colours. And I think if you have that with already what is a great songbook... Yeah. Have you got people that could deliver that? I think you're you're halfway there. I agree with that. And uh, as I tweeted out, I was just uh, hey, I was just thrilled to death that it didn't have any cats in it, uh, and it looked really good. Yeah. Um, it, you know, I didn't know what to expect. Uh, it's definitely a a musical musical. Mm. It'll be interesting to see if it'll get the audiences in there because I do agree with you. Sometimes they just don't work when they make that transition. So, but if it does work, right? This gives us some semblance of hope for West Side Story as well. Yeah, comes out right? on Christmas, which means there'll actually be two musicals going up against right. the Academy and all the awards next year. So they could have a dance off. They yeah. could. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's what I was watching that trailer, thinking, okay, we haven't. They beat this to the punch. This is a really well done, yeah, cut trailer. You know, now I. Now it made me look forward to seeing what West Side Story is going to come out with. So it got me excited. And I mean, out of the two, the one that I am excited about so far is definitely Into the Heights. Yeah, Spielberg, as, as a genius as he is, he's really going to have to pull something out of the bag. But when you're talking about ripping stuff from the stage, we also know that Clint Eastwood did that. He ripped Jersey Boys off the stage and up into oh, pieces my God. and set that shit on fire. Yeah, that was awful. Awful. And I saw that a couple of weeks prior to seeing the movie, and I can't tell you how devastating. I love, was. I love Jersey Boys the musical. I know it's a, you know it's a popcorn crowd pleasing chewing scenery like <laughs> fucking jukebox musical, but it's so much fun. Yeah, it is. It's and he took fun. all the fun out of it. Oh my god! And Christopher Walken doing Christopher Walken. Oh, oh my, my god. god! Can't you see you I'm walking watch here? But <laughs> oh, it's just terrible. Did you um, like that movie, Jersey Boys? Yeah. I expected more. <laughs> okay. Jersey Boys 1315 to Paris. Uh, oh. Sky, Sky Patterson, I actually preferred that to Jersey Boys and oh. that was terrible. Uh, Sky Patterson, I really like the Ghostbusters Afterlife trailer. It feels like a dramatic sci-fi indie film. It feels very nostalgic and up to date. Uh, I hope this film succeeds but might not. Well, everything might not. That's a risk we take by making <laughs> movies. I'm pretty confident right now though um, and I'm always happy to be wrong. Uh, Luke Skywanker, I have confidence that Jason Reitman will knock it out of the park. Zeno, uh, I got a Super 8 vibe rather than a Stranger Things vibe from the trailer. Good point. I actually had a similar thought myself. Uh, Yash saying, uh, I liked it. Nothing unique. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't entirely agree with that. Uh, Bollywood pumps out into the heights every week, to be honest with you. Yeah, Yash, you've actually got a really good point there. Uh, instead of Indian brown people, it's Mexican brown people. Lol. Don't tell Trump. Uh, Jenna James, uh, I got both Super 8 and Stranger Things vibes. So Jenna obviously agreeing with uh, with Xeno Hour there. And Sky Patterson saying, Simon, is Finn Wolfhart, Alex Wolf, and Noah Duke going to turn into an Ansel Elgort, Timothy Chalamet, Jacob Tremblay? What is this? Like Transformers or GoBots? <laughs> Uh, over the course of the next five years, or do they not stand a chance? I mean, who, who knows? They're going to be Power Rangers. I, yeah, they're going to be Power Rangers. Uh, that's great. I just honestly, I don't know. The industry is so fickle right now; it is actually quite difficult to to predict that kind of thing. But the talent certainly suggests that they will be in demand. And you, you forgot Lucas Hedges. And he needs Lucas to be, Hedges. He needs to be in there. Oh, I fucking love Lucas Hedges. Yeah. Uh, and why do you have Jacob group with Ansel and Shanamate? Lol, from Jenna. Well, <laughs> white people. 
I don't know. White young white, young white men. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's also talk about uh, Wonder Woman 1984, the trailer. Um, I loved Wonder Woman. Um, this, I'm genuinely... Oh, I'm, I'm, I, okay, I'm very excited about this movie, and I'm really looking forward to it. I am just... My only concern is the fact they're putting more of, into style than substance, because it looks incredible. And I'm just wondering if we're being bedazzled with shiny, shiny... I really hope they can back it up because if they can back up what we can see in the trailer, it's going to be awesome. If they can't, it's going to look awesome. Uh, Dimitri, on this one. I am somewhat in agreement. Uh, they were hiding story. Yep. And I don't know if that was on purpose. Yeah. And we we got a lot of dazzle. We got a lot of... It was predicated... This trailer was predicated on a lot of action. Yeah. A lot of action. And that kind of... That kind of it looked great, mm. and it's going to look super on a big screen. But I, I just said, "Hmm, okay, what's this about?" Like I remember when the first Wonder Woman, they were setting everything up, and I get that, and I sort of kind of wish they took that same tack in making this teaser mm. to get out there. Tell me a little bit about the story. Yeah, it's really cool when she pumps out the bullet and then hits it with her. You know, and hits it with her, her her bracelet, and you know, but we and we saw a lot of stuff with the rope. But I'm like, okay, I, I love the fact that it's set in the '80s. Um, it looks great. I just, I you know, just I don't know. There's okay. a lot of style. It, I think it looks great. Well. I think they, I, I, I can tell that mm. they at Warner Brothers mm-hmm. over at Warner Brothers decided to actually give her more of a budget this time. Yep. it's very clear in the just the trailer alone. Um. I think they're going the smart route with doing the action and not telling the story. I, I think because they know in order to get people interested mm. with like superhero movies, they like to know the action sequences. Yep. And I don't think they want to ruin uh, Kristen Wiig's character. I think they really mm. want to kind of save that that twist and turn for the actual film. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I mean, I'm, and I, I do welcome that. And I wish more movies would do that. There's too much story in. I mean, there's all the story in some trailers these days. Yeah. But I mean, I, I, I'm I'm very I'm very interested, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to this movie. I but believe I do... in Patty Jenkins, and just in well, general, that, that's I mean, what I'm. That's just... what I'm relying on. But yeah. but woman, um, <laughs> but woman, but, you woman, know, make but, film. No, but but you, seriously. She's great. She and yeah. we've seen this with Wonder Woman. We saw it with Monster. You know, she, she can bring style, character, and substance. This movie is on varying budget levels with varying degrees of razzle dazzle. Right. Uh, like you, I believe in her. So yeah, and I do too. But you know, to your point though, you said, "Oh well, they gave her more budget." Well, yeah, they okay. didn't give enough money. You remember how poor the marketing was for the first Wonder Woman? Mm-hmm. And she yeah. wrote wrote about it that their movie was like up until thirty days out, they barely put out any marketing. But look what it did, and it was a really solid movie. And she didn't have to have whatever budget. That. I, I get it. It's but it could have been better. I mean, Wonder it Woman... could have been better than what? Wonder, the movie Wonder Woman was, was great up until the last act. It, and okay. then it, it comes down a little bit. But I think but I think that's a DC... Uh, that, I think that's, that's a, a DC, Marvel, that's a DC, DC thing. thing. Their yeah. third act, they traditionally yeah, have. Right. Certainly from my point of view, fuck, I'm going to get hate for this, but their third act seemed to be a stumbling block for them. Yeah. Um, and I feel the same way about some directors like Chris Nolan. I mean, Except I've never for made Shazam. A movie. Shazam. Except for Shazam has Shazam. the best third act. One of the few, absolutely. Yeah. Um, two things I want to get to very quickly because we have a box office and I want to look at and we have a couple of movies to review this week as well. Um, sad news this morning. Someone mentioned this in the chat. I think it was Kame, actually. Uh, Danny Aiello uh, was an this morning that he has died uh, obviously Oscar nominated for Do the Right Thing uh, he was 86 um, Danny Aiello was an actor who always appeared to be around in everything like during the 80s and 90s he was there were, there were like a handful of actors that were yeah. always in everything whether it was on the big screen the small screen or directed to, to video in those days um, a permanent presence um, Dimitri first of all your mm-hmm. thoughts on Danny uh, yeah, he was he was just one of those wonderful character actors that could leap into a leading role yeah. like he did in like say Jack Ruby, but then he can be in a Hudson Hawk, right? But but one of my favorites that I tweeted out and I do uh highly suggest that you try to seek this movie out. He was in a movie with Anthony LaPaglia called 29th Street, which is based on a, on a on a true story about the man who won I believe it was New York's first lottery. Mm. And the the movie is really about family 
togetherness and luck. And Danny Aiello plays the senior, and uh, he's just fantastic. He was always gripping in a movie, and <laughs> when you got him swearing in a movie, it was the best. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, it was the best. And he mixed genres. I mean, I'm just looking now. Like He was in The Stuff. He was in yeah. The Pickle, which was a movie that I watched, but it was so bad, but it was so much fun. Uh, he was in, uh, he did Ruby as well. I mean, he did, God, what else did he do? I mean, he, there was so many movies. Jacob's Ladder was another one I remember him being in particularly well. Dinner Rush, I thought he was great in that. Uh, Hudson Hawk is a film yeah, that is I, often maligned, but I absolutely loved him in that. I love that movie anyway. Uh, Leon the Professional, um, Harlem Nights. One of my least favorite um, Eddie Murphy movies, but I remember Danny being in that, and I would get, that was a big highlight for me. And movies like Once Upon a Time in America. Um, yeah. You know, Moonstruck as well. Moonstruck, you know, phenomenal sure. performances. I mean, very, a lot of, we say this often when people like Danny die, but, um, you know, you, you, there are a lot of actors who never go, they have a long career, and they never have the kind of rich resume that people like Danny Aiello have. Uh, and the, 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 the sad thing is the fact that he's passed, but the great thing is the fact that he leaves this legacy for us yeah. and future generations to enjoy. Scott? I mean, I just, I just have to just bounce off what you just said. I think a lot of people always associate when when actors pass you're kind of like oh what did that person what did that person do and they always they always fluctuate to one or two movies like that seems to be the case when, yeah. when everyone uh, especially when they're character actors yeah. best known for his work in that one Woody Allen movie 5 mm-hmm. years ago right. and i think people forget that character actors have such a wide range of Films, the, mm-hmm. their film filmography yep. is is usually bigger than say a Tom Cruise, right, or an Al Pacino, yep. mm-hmm. because they wind up taking on these smaller roles, yep. and you just there's those one of those characters where you just see and you say, oh my god, that's that guy. Yep. I remember him from the other movie. Sure, and that's all you keep saying. So I think when someone like this always passes away, that's that's always something that I remember because. I'll be honest, and I'm guilty of this. When I hear the name, I'm kind of like, who's that? And then I like look up the work, and I'm kind of like, oh, my God. This yeah. is that guy who was in, like, 25 movies that I really loved. Yeah. Yeah. And there are people who have been, you know, around longer than even, like, the, the, the acts of Danny, Danny Aiello, and they just yeah. don't, they don't ever have this contribution, no. even though they appear to be on like the Like Wallace Shawn? Sure. Oh, yeah. my God. Like, he's another one. Like, probably no one knows what that name is. Yeah. But, like, if you look at Inconceivable! But, no. No us, but I'm talking about like regular people would look that up and like, he's like he's, to them he's that guy from that thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but with Danny Aiello too, he hasn't been in anything that I can recall in, in quite some time. Not for a while, no. So and I don't know whether that was health or, or, or whatever, but when I saw that this morning I was like, Oh wow, I haven't seen him in a while, but it, it's at least to your point, there's this, a fine legacy of movies yeah. that you can see. Not all of them are great, <laughs> but I, I, I really, I, I go back to Hudson Hawk. I do the right things, a no-brainer, right? Yeah. And so isn't Moon, so isn't Moonlight. But 29th Street, if you do have the chance and you're able to find it anywhere, uh, I, w- I would highly recommend you watch it. And he, it's another great performance by him, and probably Anthony Lapalia's best. Yeah. Uh, 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 Jeff, can we get an extra five minutes on the show? Would that be okay? I've got one more story I want to talk about, and then I want to get a review. Okay, thanks, man. Uh, okay, before we go uh, to box office and this week's reviews, we have four movies to get through, so we need to keep this kind of contained. Um, a story was in the Washington Post yesterday that I do want to touch on because it's something that uh, we actually discussed on the show last week. It's something that, that you pushed out there. Uh, Netflix sending journalists on pricey trips, raising questions and angering rivals. We are seeing this, especially in awards season, um, a lot of journalists from markets outside of major places like New York or LA uh, being flown into New York and LA and other places um, to cover events. Uh, Netflix has done this a lot this year. They've done it for Marriage Story. They've done it for Irishman. They've done it for some other things as well. Um, um, and a whole load, if you haven't read the piece of Washington Post, you should do. They're basically offered uh, pr- private sit-downs with the, the filmmakers, uh, private breakfast meetings and stuff like that. They get to go to the premiere. They get to be put up in fancy hotels and stuff like that. And now, obviously, aside from it being awards season and people saying, oh, you're, you're trying to buy favour, you know, is this shilling? Are people shilling for this because you're flying them around and treating them brilliant? And that, therefore, they will see your movie as more preferable and give it more attention than than studio films that are are not offering you that same level of treatment. Scott, I want you to take the lead on this. Your thoughts on this? So, I mean, before I get into this, I just want to say that studios in general do this Mm year-round. The difference between studios doing it year-round and what Netflix did, there's, there's a couple key differences. The things what studios do is that it's a select group of people who go 
year-round on these trips, whether it's to London for Cats, which is there they just did this past week, right. or whatever, down Downton Abbey. There's, there's a select group of people who have been in the industry for a while, and it's always the same people. Every once in a while, someone will get lucky and they'll squeeze someone in because someone else couldn't go. But it's very, very rare. So there's this... People need to know that there's a select group of people, and you probably know because you re- always read about the same people who do the set visits or go to the junkets, and they're like, how are these same people at all these junkets? That's what it is. So that's a problem within itself. Yeah. But what, what, what started this whole controversy with Netflix is the fact that they're doing it not as much throughout the year, but a lot during award season. Yep. And what, they, what their mistake was, and this is what their mistake was, is that instead of focusing on all guilds, they decided to hone in on the Critics' Choice. Yeah. And you and me are both members of Critics' Choice, we so are. I'm just going to fully disclose that yep. right to you. Um, it is very concerning because also what people may not know is Critics' Choice over the last two years has kind of done what Rotten Tomatoes did about two years ago when there was the call for action for more voices and film criticism. And yeah. what they did was they opened the door to a whole bunch of people. And some people I know, some people I don't know. Um, but there is problems with that because something that Simon has went on about and I agree with him is, is that there's this issue of credibility within the industry now. And there's a lot of people who are working in the industry who just kind of like popped in a couple, like a year or two ago, and all of a sudden they're in one of the biggest critics guilds in the country. Yeah. Or in the world, I should say. And these are also people who don't necessarily particularly have an audience um, and don't do it professionally, as in they don't get paid. Right. And that, that's also part of the problem. But And that ties into the whole issue of what this article is getting at, and that is... They are being flown, staying in a hotel, which is anywhere from five hundred to two thousand dollars a night. Mm. Beautiful, gorgeous hotels, ones I could never afford to stay in on a regular basis, like the Four Seasons, the Beverly Hilton, things of that nature. Oh, you can't? Oh. No, I can't afford to stay there. Sucks to be you. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. And, and and the thing is, is that these these the people who they fly out, and some of them are very nice people and really passionate about it's the craft. It's nothing to do with whether they're nice nothing, or not. It has, has nothing, nothing to, to do, do with it. that. But the reality of it is, is that they're not making enough to survive their regular lives where they live. Mm-hmm. So they're being flown out, and they're getting all this wonderful interactions where they get these private lunches and. They, they, they stay in these nice hotels. They get to see the, see the world. And, and, and that means a lot to people. People don't have those experiences. Nice. Nice. And when you don't have that type, when you don't have money to, to mm-hmm. have that, you're going to remember the experience. It's going to stick out in your mind. And what's concerning for these voters, and I know studios are upset about this, is that it's different when they're doing it year-round and you're going to a junket. Do they need to do junkets outside of New York and L.A.? No, they don't. But they, they do it because they're trying to fit the tone of the movie. I don't, I don't even know the reasons. But what Netflix is doing with picking one specific group yeah. who they, they kind of know can – and I'm not saying everyone, but some people, I think – We'll look at this and say, wow, like this great experience. Uh, no, we, I, nobody else gave me this experience. Let, let's not pretend. We, we all know people in the industry, whether it's Los Angeles, yeah. New York, or whether it's from, you know, a trailer town, Idaho, who are very heavily influenced by the treatment that they get from yes. film companies. And they will, some people who will also never say anything against a movie or a film company yes. b- because they don't want to damage their, their chances of, of falling out of favor. It's we a tale so, as old as time. It's a tale as it's old been as time. Going on but, and it's not just this industry that you get it, you get it in all industries. Industries. People yes. don't want to rock the boat because they want to get the shiny, shiny and the nice time and look amazing. Sure. Th- there is a big problem with this. But, I mean, there are certain – a lot of companies that I work with, I am contractually not allowed to take. So if somebody said to me, Simon, I want to fly you to New York to do a piece uh, for Forbes on uh, w- with this junket. We're going to give you all the bells and whistles. I am not allowed to take it. I'm in breach of contract with my outlet. When I was at Reuters, uh, we would get the chance all the time to be flown around the world. Uh, like a good example was Jumanji, the first uh, Jumanji of the, the reboots yeah. uh, to, to Hawaii. We're not allowed to take it because Reuters do not accept anything like flights, hotels or anything like that uh, for payment for journalists from companies, whether you're a PR company or a film studio, don't allow it. Right. You've got to do it in your locale. 
um, to avoid any way of going, oh, well, yeah, but you got flown to Hawaii, so you're going to say this movie's great. So there are certain companies that are very ethical and they are bound by their contracts, their terms, to not be allowed to do stuff like this. There are free agents who can take whatever they want and they are bound by nothing. Yeah. Nothing at all. And it does... It is not. I'm. I'm not accusing Netflix of buying votes. I don't think that's the case. However, it is also short-sighted to not think that when someone who has little to nothing is given a lot, that is not going to influence potentially. But but again, I go back to this has been happening. Since yeah, the this, 70s is not, this is and not 80s. a new problem. This no, is not it's a not new a new problem. problem. But it's also when when people were getting paid a lot. I know that the, I know that the landscape's different now. You and I had the conversation. Um, the difference, the, the, to me, the main difference is, is that, okay, Miramax has been, you know, Miramax was always accused of buying awards. And Miramax would spend a lot during campaign season. But major studios always flew out mm. certain tastemakers, certain yeah. critics, right? Wherever it was, whether it's... Whether it's the Pearl Harbor for this, or, or, or sending them to New Zealand to see Lord of the Rings, right? The whole, my only problem again goes to Netflix is doing this, and people are buying into it. So, like, it's different when Universal sends somebody to Kauai to to, to be on set for Jurassic World. Well, Jurassic World is going to be released traditionally. Netflix doesn't care about that, but- and they're spending a ton. A ton more money than even even Miramax ever spent in its heyday to get these movies out, and they want people to treat them like a studio when they really are not a theatrical. I, I see. Studio. I don't think that's the problem. Okay. Well, we. Well, I mean, it's 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 an, it's that's another argument. That's yeah. another conversation. That but, but we only have spending so much a ton of money. Do that. The fact that they're spending a ton of money is is but it, undeniable. But it all comes back. Here, here's the difference, though. The difference between a regular junket and flying mm. someone there. And again, keep in mind what I said. It's usually the same group of people. It is. And I can name most of those yep. people. It's usually the same group of people. With this, it was a targeted group of people right. who well, had a major too. who had a major say in how a group mm-hmm. voted. And a group that voted where, like, I'm not going to say on this panel that I honestly don't understand how some of the nominations were picked up. Mm-hmm. I don't understand how they were right. formulated. Yep. I don't understand. It yeah. makes no sense. Simon, may I please just ask you? Because uh, Very quickly, because we've got I, 11 minutes. I, no, I understand. But I just... So if... Part of the work, if you were asked to go to a junket, like, say they weren't junketing it here. Yeah. Saying the only junket was in New York. So that's part I'd of the I'd have to do it by phone. You'd have to do it by phone. I couldn't, yeah. And someone's saying, you know, like sites like Forbes and other things accept ads. Yeah, ads are fine. That when you buy advertising, you buy advertising. Right, right, right. What you're not allowed to do is influence editorial by giving someone gifts. So which 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 could be construed as it gifts. Could be construed as a gift. Gotcha. Yeah. So no. inviting someone to a screening, if right. you're doing a review, is absolutely fine. If you're doing it for editorial purposes, mm-hmm. absolutely fine. If you're flying someone out to somewhere and you're putting them up in a fancy hotel and you're effectively um, affording them something over and above what they would need to do a basic job, then that is different. Understood. But buying buying ads, buying banners, and all that stuff is 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 completely different. That is that is that is business. Yeah. That does not influence the editorial. No, I, I appreciate could, the clarification. Yeah. Any, anybody could buy an advert on the site, and then someone could go, "This film is shit." That doesn't affect the advertising because they bought the advertising. It's completely separate entities. Gotcha. They're never to be confused. Which is why people get upset about this stuff because that's where it gets a bit confused potentially. Okay, yeah. <clears throat> we have a little bit of time. We need to get through a cup. Thank you for asking. It's good to get the clarification. Uh, okay, box office this weekend. A lot of big movies coming out a lot of movies coming out some bigger than others uh, Jumanji Next Level opened previews last night at 4.7 million uh, that's really going to be the, the one that I think is going to come out on top this weekend uh, Black Christmas uh, also did previews last night uh, 230,000 which is not great uh, according to Box Office Mojo, Box Office is looking like this for the weekend. Uh, Jumanji, the next level, going to be number one, 45 million. I think it could bring in 40, 45 million. The buzz is not out there that I kind of would have expected. Frozen 2 in second place, 21. Richard Jewell coming in third, 11. I think that's a little bit high. Uh, Black Christmas, uh, 10.5 million. Knives Out rounding out the five at 9.5. Uh, and then, um, you know, we've got everything else that's been out for a little while. But Star Wars is coming out next week, so... Okay, very quickly. Uh, Richard Jewell, first of all, 
let's take a look at Richard Jewell. Uh, guys, your thoughts on this. Uh, Dimitri, first of all. Uh, for me, I didn't really know what to expect going in. I liked the trailer, but then I've liked a lot of Clint Eastwood trailers uh, for, from the recent past, and the movies have never lived up to them. This movie, for me, exceeded the expectations. It was a real pleasant surprise. Uh, I thought it was one of Clint Eastwood's best movies within, uh, God, within the past five years or so. I mean, I enjoyed The Mule, but not as much as I enjoyed this this depiction and the performances. I think you had like Kathy Bates, and right now I forget um, Paul Walterhauser. Paul, yeah, Paul Walterhauser was was fantastic. Mm. Like they found he's been really great in other movies, but Clint Eastwood utilized what he does and really put it up on the screen and he's great. Sam Rockwell's fantastic. Kathy Bates I think is fantastic. And I think it's really well directed and I think it's a I think it's a good story for everybody to see. Yeah. Uh, so it was really well. Scott. I uh I really love this movie. Um it was a film that, you know, because of what you said and what he said is that Clint Eastwood is is so hit and miss for me. Yeah. Uh just as really? a director. Yeah. You know, it's like I come out of one thing and I love it. Next movie is like, what is this piece of shit? Um and I was just so invested in this story and seeing it being told on the on the big screen and I, I think it's it's interesting to watch a film like this because I know a lot of people see Clint Eastwood's politics within the film itself and there are some things there that are notable and should be pointed out but it, you also have to remember where the movie is taking place yeah. too in Atlanta and what the year was so please keep that in mind when watching the movie that being said I think it's a very honest film about media and our uh, assumptions towards things yeah. and the way we treat others. We're looking for a villain. And um, there is just the, the ending of this movie. There's a speech that happens. And I think that's like one of the best movie moments of the year. Yeah. Uh, I didn't like the movie overall. I thought Paul Walterhauser was great. I thought he was the yin and yang with Sam Rockwell. I thought they were great together. Kathy Bates, I thought was fine. Uh, Clint Eastwood loves uh, images of her scuffling across an apartment in her slippers. For some reason, um, I thought the cinematography on this was fine in some ways and remarkably sloppy in other ways. And I thought the editing was was weak. I genuinely there were some elements in this where I was just like, that is amateurish. It's like it's a first edit and you haven't done a, a final scrub on it. I was disappointed wow. with that. Um, but Clint Eastwood's had a great career and he's made more movies than I potentially will ever make in my life. <laughs> so he can feel free to tell me to shut the fuck up. But uh, I, I didn't I didn't like Richard Jewell, but for me, Paul Walter Hauser is someone who came through and this just absolutely blew me away. There is one reason to see this movie and that is Paul Walter Hauser. Uh, Uncut Gems also out this week. Uh, Scott, first on this. Ah, I saw that Telluride. Um, I really dug this movie. I think that this is, without question, Adam Sandler's uh, finest moment on on the big screen. Mm. Um, Soundtrack, it's not for everyone. Uh, A little overpowering at times, kind of takes you out of the movie. Um, Julia Fox, a brand new... uh, Incredible. uh, Incredible up-and-coming actress. Um, Adina, I don't know what she was doing in this movie. Uh, very confusing. Random and casting. Very, very random. And especially when you have a powerhouse like her, like, so underused. Uh, but this movie is really about Adam and Julia. And the two are fantastic in the film. And it's intense from beginning to end. You do know where the movie's going about halfway through. So it's it's not, like, it's not predictable. But you're still on, like, this this intense roller coaster ride. Dimitri. Yeah, I thought it was Sandler's best performance since uh, 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 Punch Drunk Love. Uh, I still like that movie a little bit better. But this movie, at least from a, from a suspense standpoint, Point. I mean, because it kept going. Yeah. It kept going as if you were in New York, and is the, the camera was following him as a New York, you know, uh, diamond district jeweler, and making these, you know, he's paying Peter to pay Paul, <laughs> or, you know, and, and it was just crazy, and you were just wondering, okay, when's this finally going to catch up to him? And certain things, he's just like this schmuck who has bad luck, and even when he gets good luck, it ends up being... He can't help fuck it up. Or it gets fucked up for him, because he's like, you did what? So, 
I really appreciated its kineticism. Mm. It was it never overstayed its welcome. Again, you can kind of see where the movie's gonna go. Uh, but but Sandler was was you know proves that yeah he can he can act. I'm glad they chose him. He was he was really perfect for this role. I, I like both of the the leads in this. Uh, yeah. I like Julia she and I, I love too. I love Adam. Um, but this movie genuinely it made me anxious. I, I just I was just so <laughs> stressed by the end of it. Um, I don't know whether I liked it. I absolutely admire it as a piece of filmmaking, and I. It's it's something that I will not forget. Did I like it? I don't know. Do I know who's going to go and see this in movie theaters? I honestly have no idea who, who is going to go and and see this in movie theaters. People but, love a twenty four. It but, makes you. But do you know what? It makes you something. It, yeah. it makes you a lot of things. It makes um, you but seriously, I felt like I needed to lie down at the end of this. Yeah. It was it was. It made Hobbs and Shaw look like a drive through the country yeah. when it comes to stress levels. Um, uncut gems. It's something. Uh, Black Christmas. Uh, okay. Uh, can I just take the lead on this one? Yes. I've got to be honest with you. There aren't many movies I almost walk out of. And this was one where I genuinely, I, I actually considered walking out of. Not because of the what, what it's about. Not because it's written and directed by women. That has nothing to do with it. I just didn't enjoy it as a movie. And it, it could have not been Black Christmas. It, they just could have cre- taken Black Christmas off it and called it something else. I, I just did. I just did not enjoy so so many things. I just liked about this movies. I mean, it's, I, just, it's, it's, I, it's, I did not like this. It's movie. one of the worst movies of the year. It is for I, I me. Mean, I'm sorry. Just, it's just abysmal on every level. It's not it, even fucking scary. It's not it's scary. Not scary. It's not clever. It's not interesting. It, it shoves the same message down your throat for 90 minutes straight. And I, the only person who I really feel bad for is Imogen Poots. Because I love Imogen Poots. She's trying so hard to make this work when she's got these this horrible dialogue and these one-liners. It's just, oh. The dialogue is terrible. I, I just, I couldn't stand it. It's okay, funny when people talk, very, very quickly, when people talk about how, how men write such bad dialogue for women. And then I heard this dialogue and I'm like, no, women can get it wrong sometimes <laughs> too. This, I just, I'm sorry to me. See, well, I, I'm going from it where I, I at least respected the attempt of what they were trying to do. Like, I understand, and, and to me, I was trying to go back in history to see, has there ever been a horror movie that's been on both sides of the camera, heralded, championed, creative side, acting side, all women? Uh, so, Sophia Tackle and uh, April, I forget, uh, right Wolf. now, Wolf, you know, I, I understood what they were doing. Its immediate relevance uh, was all in there, but it, it, it didn't see the movie screen for the screenplay. It it was very heavy-handed. It was like a blunt axe to the head. And then it made me wonder if they were doing that on purpose, considering the audience that it's really going for, yeah. which is teenage girls. And so how do we, if they really do beat you over the head with the message. But I there are aspects of it that I appreciated that I thought were really well done. Uh, the Christmas pageant, so to speak, uh, was actually probably my favorite scene, and I didn't see what was, I didn't see the song, the Christmas Carol, going the way it was, and I, and it kind of made me go, well, isn't this exactly what they don't want to do? Yeah. <laughs> like, but then you figure there's a reason why. It's not a great movie. It's not typical. It's not particularly a very scary horror movie. From what I understand, it was supposed to be rated R, and they reshot and made it PG-13. I wish Sophia went all out and they made it R, because I would have loved to have seen her vision as a rated R like movie, because I think women can tell great horror stories. If given the opportunity. Women, I, I don't disagree with the message of the movie. Women need to be served better by this kind of thing. And I think we've seen several movies that are uh, strong female feminist bent. And they do a much better job than this. For me, it was just, a, it was not mm. good. Okay, very finally, very quickly, we got Jumanji The Next Level. Um, okay, I mean, this is the one that's going to dominate this weekend. The first film, uh, a lot of people didn't think was going to be very good, myself included. Turned out to be great. Had a great time. Uh, a lot of people, the first question they're going to ask is, is this as good as the first one? For me, it's not quite as good as the first one, but it's still good. Uh, the first half takes a little bit time to get going. Uh, second half of the movie is a lot better. The final third act really, really sells this movie for you, and it makes it worth the entry alone. Um, I'd be okay if the another one i'll be absolutely fine if they left it here with two i think that's absolutely fine uh, some nice new faces nice additions to the cast that i think bring enough to the table to really make it worth you watching this uh, it's good fun it's just a good fun adventure movie you know that's all it is it's a good fun family adventure movie and it doesn't overstay its welcome no. i mean i i genuinely was like 
it's not it's not as good as the first one, but I still I I enjoyed watching it, and I'm glad I gave it my time, Scott. I think it just it it's very interesting for me watching this movie because I could have done without the action. You know, and and I know that's the reason why, you know, people go see this and kids want to go see this is because they want to see the scenes with the ostriches and the monkeys and things like that because that's what excites children. But for adults and a lot of people I've talked to about this movie, they they just love the interaction and the storylines between the characters. Okay. And I think that's really what's strong about the film is Mm -hmm. that it does have something for the adults where they love, they know these actors and they know why they're mocking, like why it's so funny that he's doing the funny voice. Like, you, little kids and, you know, teenagers are not really, like, who's Danny Glover? Who's Danny yeah, DeVito? They, they, won't they, don't, they, don't, they won't know that. But then the adults love that. And they, they, they appreciate it. And then the kids just love the, the, the shenanigans of it all with the uh, action. The and I think it doesn't quite work as well when they, they've swapped who the people are. I don't think it works quite as well as it did in the first movie when they, they, there's something happens. And, no, because they, they, they don't spend enough time on certain characters. I yeah. was telling him that like Jack Black was the scene stealer in the first movie. Okay, yeah. This one, I feel like he got very little screen time to kind of play both the characters, even when he went back into... Um, I, yeah. yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> I don't want to... I want to spoil it. No, no. Yeah. Um, but there's some swapping going on in the movie. Uh, but there just wasn't enough screen time of him. Yeah. And, and I mean, Aquafina shows up later and, you know, she's in the trailer. But, you know, the same thing happens with her where I don't feel like she gets enough time. No. Uh, Dimitri, your thoughts on I this? I thought the movie was okay. Okay. Um, as an adult, uh, The Rock just couldn't carry off that comedy. He just couldn't carry off being Danny DeVito. It was too long. And I just didn't think that he that he could do it. But to your point, kids aren't going to care. No. So, <laughs> you know, the action was fine. It's harmless. It's unaf- it's, 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 it's there's nothing offensive about this movie. No. It's great for families to go to and it has a dirigible. So <laughs> it was fun. It, it, it's fine. It was okay. It, it, it's hard it's not the best movie I'm going to see this this holiday season, but for the people who like the first one, this one's going to deliver. It's more of the same but different, and that there you go. That's all you can ask for for a sequel is to be at least on par, you know. And it, and it delivers action. It yep. delivers, you know, it, it, laughs, it licks along yeah. at a good it's pace, and it delivers the laughs. Funny at the end enough, of the day, it's you know, it's kind of what you need. It's like and yep. great for this great for this time of year for Perfect. holidays. So I mean, not as good as the original, but I think it's it's worth checking out. Okay, Fine. very briefly, um, your pick of the films for the week, then, guys. Uh, Dimitri, first of all, on this, Jumanji, Black Christmas, Uncut Gems, or Richard Jewell? Richard Jewell for me. Interesting. For sure. Richard Jewell for me too. Okay, uh, for me, it's going to be uh, Jumanji, um, but uh, all. Worthy films in different ways. <laughs> and then Black Christmas. Uh, sorry. I, I, <laughs> yeah, seriously, no. I, I, wanted to, I wanted to really love that movie. I was very down for this movie, and it just did not work for me. Uh, thank you so much. And I just want to say very quickly to, to Yash in the chat, no, Danny Aiello is not black. Um, <laughs> what I do, though, is suggest what? that you find out some of Danny Aiello's movies and watch them because you will appreciate his talent what a loss this week Dimitri thank you for being here hey thank you for having me who are you where can we find you Uh, you can find me here on Popcorn Talk Network Meet the Movie Press and other various shows and I just wanted to say uh, Merry Christmas Merry Christmas Happy Holidays this will be I believe my last appearance uh, for 2019 see you next year Sounds good. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the other Scott M. Go over to WeLiveEntertainment.com because there's going to be a ton of interviews going up all weekend. Uh, my name is Simon Thompson. You can find me at ShowbizSimon on Instagram and Twitter. You can find this show at Meet Movie Press on Twitter. Thank you so much. Next week is going to be an end of the year review. So we're going to look at our favorite movies of the year. And also we'll talk about a little movie coming out called War Stars. Uh, <laughs> who knows what that'll be like. Uh, my name is Simon Thompson. Have a great week, everybody. Don't forget, watch those movies. Kevin Undergaro, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network. We would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network.